This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B. McKenzie. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how well it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me online at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. This week, we are dissecting 1980s He Knows You're Alone, directed by Armand Mastrioni. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of the movies this week, as well as life updates. I, I think you can tell. I think B has allergies. Oh my god, they're so bad. Yeah, Sack is gnarly. You they know, just every hit time too. of year. This yeah. like when spring rolls in, uh-huh. it was you know it, the city of trees forever. It's not. No one's ever going to call it the farm before capital of the world. It's just not going to happen. It's yeah. going to be the city of trees, and it has earned that name because there are so many trees here. Allergies are absolutely horrible for everyone who has allergies. Yeah, I thought I was maybe going to get away with it this season. Um, other people were getting hit like last month, and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we've been doing like local honey, and I'm like, maybe that's, maybe we found the secret. And then I went to Oakland for a work trip and got like knocked on my ass with allergies when I got there. I like literally had to go to the pharmacy and get Claritin because I could barely like open my eyes. They were so bad. And then that worked, and I felt better, and I was like, it was one of those things where it was like nerve wracking because I'm like, fuck, like what if I am sick? And like, I knew it wasn't COVID, but I was like, what if I'm sick? I'm going to get other people sick. And this is like, I'm a remote, I work remotely. And so this is like the one time I was going to meet up with my entire team all year. And then I was like, oh no, it's just allergies. And then I got home and I was like, oh, I'm so much better. And then this week they've just been atrocious and it's getting to the point where I'm going to lose my voice. Yep, so. I can tell. This <laughs> every happens year. every year. Every, every year. year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that um, that's, that's a life update. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What have I uh, been watching? I watched, well, WrestleMania was last weekend. So when, whenever WrestleMania happens, it means there's like lots of different wrestling shows. It's like the biggest week in wrestling of the year. So I watched WrestleMania and like all those wrestling shows. Um don't watch a lot of wwe anymore because the product's just not as good i'm watching AEW, which is like their competitor brand it's like new it's only like three years old at this point which is much more exciting and much better um and it's nice because i watch with my brothers like um i mean, we watch online through like discord or cosme um so i watch wrestlemania and then i don't know why i think p and i were talking about star trek i think it's oh because they announced paul wesley is gonna oh, be captain Kirk. my god yeah. which i think i truly truly think I, the piece of me died yeah like i just didn't even know how to react to that news um 
Yeah, so they announced Paul Wesley was going to be Captain Kirk for Strange New Worlds, which is Paramount's, at this point, will be like their fourth original Star Trek show because they have two animated ones. Yeah, and they have Discovery and they have Discovery. Oh, and Picard, so it'll be their fifth. Yeah, because they do... And is it two animated ones? I they have, have the Lower one. Deck, and then they do Shorts. I don't oh. know if Shorts is actually animated. I've never watched it. I thought it was, but I might be wrong. And then, yeah, Discovery and Picard. Um, and so I just was like, I got in the mood to... I don't know why, but I was just like, I really want to watch Star Trek. And I want to watch... So I grew up watching Next Generation um with my dad and that so that's a series i grew up on and absolutely love so i do want to give to the card uh i think i might want to do a, a full tng rewatch though if i'm going to do Picard, or at least pick up i started one not too long like not that long ago actually so maybe pick up where i left off um but i grew up on tng absolutely love it it's always my favorite um but i've always enjoyed star trek overall uh just whatever it is uh except Enterprise and I never watched and I heard horrible things but Voyager and Deep Space Nine I also really liked and so I was like okay like there's this you know I was like talking with B about it I was like have you ever watched Discovery because she's a big Trek fan too she's like no but like I heard really good things I was like yeah I've heard like really great things about Discovery and then I, I didn't realize it's four seasons in already. Yeah. Um, it was their uh, kickoff show. It was their kickoff yeah. show, yeah. And I was like, holy crap, four seasons. And then they announced Strange New Worlds, which is – so for the uninitiated, I guess, like Star Trek, the original series, um, which is you know Captain Kirk and that, that crew, um, in that lore – like you find out that the captain before Kirk was Captain Christopher Pike, um, and so New Worlds is about Pike and his team in the first season, and the second season is bringing Kirk in, and then they're either I, I think what I read is they are going to, they're looking to basically like do a new crew of like that original so team, Spock and yeah, Spock and everyone, yeah. um, because they cast Spock already. It's what's his face from Greek, um, Max. Oh, the, really? The boyfriend, yeah, he's Spock. Interesting. Um, so yeah, because they've already cast Spock. So I was like getting excited for Strange New Worlds because I really like Paul Wesley, and I've, I, I original series is fine. I love it for what it is and like its campiness and what it did for sci-fi. Um, I was just I think because I grew up on uh, TNG, it never like super clicked with me, but I absolutely freaking love the jj abrams star trek universe what do they call it the kelvin or whatever it's called it has some name um i freaking love it and so ever since then like now that they're because discovery takes place 10 years before the original series so there are characters that pop up in original series that are in discovery because it's leading into it um and so now that they're doing all this prequel stuff and they're like bringing kirk in i'm like all aboard uh and i do eventually want to like i said get to picard because i know like they just actually announced today the day that we're recording that um lavar burton's coming back as jordy laforge for picard which i'm really excited about because jordy's my favorite character on the show um but yeah so i did i i was like okay i'm gonna do that so i'm powering through the first season of discovery while simultaneously kind of alternating um, I've never watched the Star Trek movies, the original ones. I've seen all of them from the next generation on. So there's four that were the next generation and then the three new ones. But before those four, there were four other Star Trek movies um, that I've never... No, there were five. 
yeah, there were five other Star Trek movies that I'd never seen. So last night I actually watched Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, it's it's good. It definitely is slow. <laughs> um, it was very interesting. I'm watching it, and as I'm, as I'm watching it, like, and it gets further into the movie, I was like, huh, this movie has a lot of similarities with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And then I'm like looking it up. That's because it was only made because Close Encounters of the Third Kind got huge. Because when the original series ended in 69, Roddenberry was constantly pitching Paramount on letting him do a new uh, on a movie. And they hated all of his scripts. Like, they finally okayed him to do a movie in 64, 65. But it took... he They hated all of his scripts. Like, that's why it took till 69 for the movie to come out. Because what happened is, finally, Close Encounters got, got big. Like, Close Encounters came out and it did very well. And Roddenberry took a bunch of stuff from Close Encounters and put it in the Star Trek script. And then Paramount was like, yeah, this will do well. So they put it out. Um, and it did okay. It went massively over budget. So it ended up, like, breaking even, essentially. Um, but that led on to them, uh, like, greenlighting Wrath of Khan, which I actually plan mm-hmm. on watching tonight, which is regarded as yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. sequels of all time. Yeah. Um, and did incredibly, incredibly well. And it's because, I mean, who knows why, but Gene Roddenberry was taken off that movie. Um, like, he, the complete creative control was taken out of his hands for that movie. Um, he was still a producer, but I don't know how much that plays into if, if that's why it's good. You know, who, mm-hmm. who knows? Sometimes mm-hmm. people are really good world builders and then not great architects of that world, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always thought about that. Stan Lee is one of the, I love Stan Lee, created the Marvel Universe. Terrible writer. Like, just the most boring comics. And it's, like, a different era, too. But, like... Well, I even think, like, um, to, like, a certain extent, that reminds me of a lot of, like, Ryan Murphy. Oh, yeah. Like, really great ideas yeah. and, like, concepts for shows, but then, like, can't execute them. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, George Lucas, to me, stands out as another one. Like, I mean, this is all personal opinion, but, right. like, I think George Lucas is great at idea building, but, like, the Star Wars movies that he has personally made, like, top to bottom made, are the worst. Um, so, but I'm excited. I'm watching Star Trek. That's So I'm going to be stuck on Star Trek for a while, at least, because... I got four seasons of Discovery and then probably like two seasons of Strange New Worlds. I'm like really excited to get to Strange New Worlds, but I'm waiting to get to the intro from Discovery right. into it before I start watching. But they did reference Pike in an episode of Discovery um, that I watched. How far time. are you into Discovery? Uh, seven episodes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I started it and I'm three episodes in. I'd watched the first episode when <laughs> Peacock, not Peacock, my god they all sound alike yeah, paramount. paramount launched and it was coming out week to week and i did like the free trial because i was like fuck yeah new star trek and then i watched it and i liked it and then the paramount didn't really and then anything. like it literally paramount had nothing for so long and i was like wow i'm not gonna pay whatever it was at the time five dollars ten dollars for an one episode a month basically right so is that in that Twilight Zone show? Yeah. That they rebooted. That was all they had. That's all they had. Um, and now we have it because um, children and that's – they have uh, Paw Patrol and Blue's Clues. So that's, it has to be paid for every month. So <laughs> that means Mama gets Star Trek. So um, I'm excited to go down the Trek journey. Um, I My mom was a big fan of the original show. I had seen it. 
a decent amount as a kid, but had watched it, um, never like sat down. And then, uh, you did a couple years ago. I did a couple years ago. I think when I was pregnant with Liam, so it's been about four years ago, I rewatched the entire original series. Um, is it? It's, it's like, not that long. Yeah, it's only like, it's really not that long. Oh, yeah, three or three four. Seasons. Yeah, three seasons. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it has its issues for sure, but it's so much of it feels like if you love the Twilight Zone, like so much of it mm-hmm. feels like the Twilight Zone. I really enjoy probably because I grew up on it, but I really enjoy television from that era in general. Um, and I just love the philosophy about Star Trek. You know, I mean, it's hard not to compare it to Star Wars, but you know, Star Wars is literally about like you know, this family and feuding and Star Trek's about discovering new worlds. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just such a more wholesome series. Like when, when it really comes of course there's war and there's, you know, but it deals so much with like just getting to know people and coming together. And, and I just really, I really love that about that. Um, but yeah, I became an, uh, an official Trekkie with the Abrams Star Trek um series and my god if we ever get a fourth movie i i might actually it's, pass away apparently it's happening it's on letterboxd literally you no know, it's like happening upcoming movie 2023 chris, chris pine just did an interview about it saying that he really hopes that he really wants paramount he they were asking him like what took so long and he's basically like paramount is expecting star trek to do Marvel numbers and it does not have that type of pull and he's like and so I we've had issues all agreeing on a script because the cast has said no right and they want them all to return which I'm very glad for and so he basically said I really want to make a movie for the people who love Star Trek and there's so many people who love these movies and if we make a good enough movie it's gonna do well but trying to make a movie so it makes a billion dollars or has like international appeal is where we're going wrong with this series. Yeah. Um, which is why he has not, the whole cast has not agreed to do another film and now they are. So I know the director attached to it is the showrunner from WandaVision. Oh God, that show was so good. Yeah, I know. Oh when God. I saw that yesterday, yeah. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's I, great. That's yeah. Fucking awesome. <laughs> no. So yeah, I, that's exciting. Um, I love I love Star Trek, and I'm excited to get into. And yeah, love 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 Paul Wesley so much. Um, as a more horror tie-in, if you guys didn't ever watch Kevin Williamson's Tell Me a Story, um, Paul Wesley is also in that, and I believe that's a Paramount. It's a CBS show. It might it be was, on it Paramount. Was Paramount. You because I remember you watched it that I one watched month it. Yeah, that had, one month when like, well, I had I'm it. Watch yeah, I can. um, which I thought was very good. They did two um, seasons, they did two of, seasons yeah. of it. So, um, if you decide to go down the trek hole with us, um, also watch Tell Me a Story, which is Kevin Williamson and uh, Paul Wesley is in it. Um, yeah, it's Paramount. Um, let's see. What did I watch? We've been watching quite a bit. Um. There's been a, a decent amount of new stuff coming yeah, out, it feels like. Um, it feels like a decent amount, but also it feels like we're we're kind of feeling like the effects of like the COVID stall where I just feel like I'm we're constantly waiting, like, okay, we look for the new movies, yeah. we go, Well, all right, there's a lot of like indie films out, but like nothing else. Um, I feel like we're just starting to get to a point where new movies are coming out again. Um so we watched um, Fresh on Hulu, 
which is um, Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar. Yeah. No, right? Yeah. Daisy Edgar Jones. Is that somebody else? Uh, well, I know Daisy Ridley is Star Wars. I, I don't know. Yeah, Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People, which if you didn't watch that show on Hulu, like that show will fuck you up. It was so good. Um, That's the show that B was like, don't watch the show. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I told. (laughs) She knows my mental state and she's like, no. Yeah, it was like fresh fresh off the divorce. And I was like, "Ah, this show is so good. Absolutely do not watch it. Like, it is going to cripple you. Um, I'm like, not in that state with my marriage whatsoever and it wrecked me um but it's very good so normal people also hulu original very very good um lots of sex um so if that's not your thing definitely pass if that is your thing um, here you go yeah if that is your thing i'm thinking much darker troubled bridgerton all right um but you know lots of sex which is apparently according to my husband he thinks that's the only thing i watch Every time he's like, every time you were watching TV, there's like butts and penises. And I'm like, you know what? It's a revolution. Every show is doing full yeah, frontal let's do now. Peen, more peen. And I'm you know, it. it's 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 I really saw, okay. I saw a TikTok the other day and it was like it's like when I when I trick my girlfriend into watching Euphoria so I can see Zendaya naked and it like it, you know shows them all sad. He's like, and then the first fifteen minutes is nothing but peen. Yep, and no naked yeah. Zendaya. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when I think about it, all the shows I've been watching lately, like Euphoria and Bridgerton, and I all have lots of nudity. So, I mean, valid, valid, valid point. Um, I started that new show on HBO with Jake Johnson. Um, oh, Minx. Minx. Yeah. Um, lots and lots of nudity in that yeah, show. I'm lots of peen. Um, I, we started way, it because we both love Jake Johnson. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he is the best. And like, you know, what's like, lo- like lots of penis. penis. And Ben's like, ah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm not watching this. I was like, I'm good. Real quick, I just throw it in because I forgot about it. I watched The Bubble on Netflix. It's fucking awful. The Bubble? It's, dude, it's Judd Apatow's new movie. And it got buried because it's just like horrible reviews. That's so weird. I haven't even heard of it. And just, just thinking of... um. Because Daisy Ridley has a really weird cameo appearance. And so when you said Daisy, it made me remember. I watched it yesterday. That's how quick I buried that movie in my head. That I was like, oh, yeah. Wonderful cast. Uh, Terrible movie. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And I really, for the most part, I like Judd Apatow's work. I I was like literally. I can't really think of a film with this I don't like. I knew it was coming out. The only reason I knew it was because I watched, I don't know. I think I watched Knocked Up. I watched Knocked Up the other day. And I was like, "Where? What should I be working on next?" Because I love King Staten Island, and I saw it was like the bubble. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I looked, and it was like Netflix original. And then it's like coming out April first. I was like, "I've not seen anything about this." Yeah, it's bad. And I just had to throw that out there. Probably why they released on April first. Uh, yeah, they're it like does here. Like a, a bad joke. That's hilarious. Um, that's funny. Uh, well, speaking of Netflix, I watched um, the Adam Project too, but Fresh was good. Um, oh yeah, fresh great. Sebastian Sands so fucking good. Yeah, him. it's really good. It's very. I mean, if you're listening, you've probably watched it. But if you haven't gotten around to it, it is just. It's one of those hard movies that like you kind of have to spoil to sell it. But um, I I won't give any details about it. But there's a twist you can assume is gonna happen. Um, and in that cover. Uh, yeah, and and once it does, it's just. A perfect, perfect movie for um, fans of our shows. 
And yep. that, that is all I will say. Um, and then um, on Netflix, we watched The Adam Project, um, which I thought was really good. What? I thought it was fine. Um, it was fine. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like, whoa, this is amazing, but I also I didn't think like, it was amazing. Oh, I, it was no, I just thought it was a really heartwarming story. I thought it was great performances. I really liked, I don't know, I just love that cast. Ryan and, Reynolds is going to sell anything. That man is so charming. No, he is. And then, yeah, Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Saldana. Yeah, Zoe Saldana. Like, I thought the yeah. kid who plays, like, the younger version of him is great. Um, and I feel like it's hard, at least for me so far, we often look for family movies um, and have a hard time finding ones that aren't animated Disney movies that are enjoyable for us to watch where we actually go like, oh, that was good. And um, I thought I really liked that in Project. And like as a, I think as a parent especially, it was just a very nice – I don't know, story about being a kid. Yeah, it's a very nice, like, like family friendly adventure movie. Or might yeah. like kind it, of like remind me of like stuff I grew up on, like um The Last Starfighter, uh, which is, you know, just like this kind of yeah, thrust a kid into the sci fi action yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it's not that was a big there's a lot of movies from the 80s and 90s. Oh, it was huge earlier. Yeah, yeah, but those movies, like, don't exist right now. Yeah. And that's, so it was just really... really watched. Huh? Yeah. I'm just, like, thinking no, about it No, you think now. about it. Like, yeah. E.T. Like, you think of, like, any Page of these Master, movies. Yeah. Um, what, oh, my God, yeah. Okay, yeah, so. like, a kid learn a young kid, mm-hmm. you know, like, 8 to 12, um, learning about life through adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, big. Like, yeah. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. so many that you can name, and I just, I mean, we we look for these types of movies. So it was just really nice to have one and have one that was so well, so well done, so well acted, so well produced. Um, so yeah, that was nice to see. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, absolutely nothing. I'm like, oh my god, you gotta yeah, watch no. that. But I I love to see that um, type of film again. Um, and then season two of Bridgerton. Um, I think everybody who loved season one was skeptical for season two because um, if you didn't read the books, which I have not read them, um, none of us were aware that the Duke would not be involved in the rest of the show. Yeah, because we all fell in love with him. <laughs> yeah, we all absolutely fell in love with that character. And then to be told, well, you no, that's it. Like, that's his season and he's gone. You're like, what? No, absolutely. I only watch the show for him. And then the second season starts and you're like, oh, okay, actually, they did build like a really interesting world. And this entire family are a very interesting brood of characters. And I kind of care about what happens to all of them, um, which is what happened in season two. I loved it. Um, I think in a lot of ways, I thought it was better than the first season um, just because it's... Uh, you can, it's very focused in the main love story of this season, but it's not so... I feel like in the first one, I was just so enamored with the love story of the Duke and Daphne. Mm-hmm. I couldn't focus on... And I did not care about anybody else's storylines. I was just like, get out of here. Like, I just want to get back to what's happening with Daphne and the Duke. Where this season... I was interested in every character's like story and arc, and um, again, it just left me going like, "Oh my god, I don't want to have to wait another year." Like, 
that's just the roughest part about it coming out like that. But if you were skeptical, um, I, I really, really liked it. Also, if you only watch season one for all the sex, season two is not for you. There's like barely any sex in yeah, season two. Yeah, I so, heard it is way less um, steamy. Yes, which I appreciate because it didn't make sense for the story they were telling this season. Right. Um, when like, the sex does show up, it's very integral to the plot, which is what they were doing with the first season um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, they, you know, after the first season, they did say every season will kind of be a different romance story in this world. Yeah. So I'm sure there will be another story that's super steamy. steamy. Yeah. Yeah. But this one was very much like a, uh, a lust um, and tension versus like you know i mean the duke and daphne get together like halfway through the season not even um so yeah it's just very different but very good but yeah a lot of good stuff out right now and then um, moonshot was out oh yeah i know i put it down a lot of potential yeah and so uh, moonshot is out on hbo max it's got it's Cole, right? It's Cole. Cole Sprouse and um, uh, Lana Condor. Condor from To All the Boys. So you got like the two, like I would have freaked out when this movie came out if I was like a teenager. Um, love. What's his face from Scream 5 in it? Yeah. It does. Um, oh, and your boy Zach. I thought Zach Braff have, was actually really funny in it. Zach Braff That's is great in it. He plays Musk Elon Musk essentially in the movie and he's really, really great in it. He has this voice that he uses that just mm-hmm. set me I think Zach Braff's hilarious. And he's I mean he's only in it for like ten minutes. Yeah, but unfortunately. He, no, he like steals like yeah. more Zach Braff, please. Um but it yeah, it was just so mediocre. It was fine. It it's, was a good yeah. thing to put on. It's like um, it's a rom com about like a potential future where we colonize Mars. And it's all about like Cole Sprouse falls in love with a girl who goes to Mars. So he's trying to find his way to get on the ship because you either have to be like a scientist and can bring something to the you know colony essentially, or rich enough to buy or rich enough to buy a ticket. And he convinces someone to go to Mars, and then he like stows away on the on the spaceship. And like I thought, it had a lot of potential. They both have a. They are both very charismatic actors. their chemistry is super weird the whole movie. Like, Cole Sprouse has more chemistry with the girl he was in love with at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, they're very stale together. And it's also hard because, like, the whole time you're, like, supposed to be rooting for them, but her boyfriend's, like, pretty great to her. Yeah. Like, he does, like, a couple things that are, like, kind of shitty, but, like, not really, and also stuff you could work through in a normal relationship. Especially and so like they've been together for, like, ten years. Yeah, and so there's just, like, some weird stuff, but there's still some cute scenes. It reminds me, there's, like... There are a little bit parts that remind me of Xenon, like a little bit, which yeah, uh, those parts I was a fan of. Um, but yeah, that, I just like, I really laughed at all the super petty robots. I thought they were hilarious. Yeah. Like Gary. I, I wish Gary existed in real life. Yeah. Um, like when he's, Gary's his uh, robot boss. <laughs> he, he's a barista and Gary's the robot boss and runs the coffee shop. There's when he leaves and he's like, "Bye, Gary. I miss you already." And Gary goes, "I have already forgotten who you are." <laughs> um, yeah, so I enjoyed all the super petty robot stuff. But other than that, and then um, yeah, he gets he gets to Mars, and he keeps calling this other robot Gary, oh, yeah. and he's like, "My name is not Gary." Um, and then he's called when he's on the line, and he's like, "Ellen, I need to speak to your supervisor." And she's like, "Okay, 
this is Alan, Alan <laughs> supervisor. I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, that but, stuff was great. But yeah, just it overall, just felt, it felt flat. very flat. Yeah. It's also way too long for what it was doing. Um, yeah, so um, that is what we watched, and we I'm excited to talk about this movie because we basically didn't even know it existed until we were kind of fleshing out our calendar for this year and then reading up on it. It kind of seems like a lot of people have forgot about this movie. Yeah, which is surprising once you sort of go into it. And, Especially yeah. that one scene. So um, we are covering this week, He Knows You're Alone from 1980. It's kind of a weird year for slashers because we're right in between. Um, we're really right before the slasher boom, um, and but right after Halloween codified the american slasher so like this is not a proto slasher we are past the era of proto slasher it's a full-blown slasher but um yeah this is and you know b put it down in the notes and i saw that too it's it is considered the first halloween knockoff yeah yeah it's 1980 is a weird year because we've we've covered so many movies that actually came out in 1980 Mm -hmm. um it's but not this early, so it's just strange to see it. Well, yeah, like the yeah. first Friday the 13th, Prom Night, Terror Train. Um, there's Maniac, which is a proto-slasher. Um, there's so many. And then 81, you get way more. Yeah. But even in 80, like to get Terror Train, Prom Night, Friday the 13th. And I know there's a couple others from that year, too. Um, it's pretty crazy. So it's, it is interesting to see, like, these movies that were, like, just right there on the cusp of going like we this is this is something like this genre is something what's wild is like this slipped in too early which sounds weird that you're like too early because in 1980 obviously we see some of the biggest slasher movies around or at least no like notable slasher movies terror trains not the biggest thing ever but like horror fans know what it is well right um but then this slept in like it's like it slinks in too early and like people just gloss over it they jump straight to friday yeah um yeah so it's he knows you're alone from 1980 synopsis a young bride-to-be is being stalked upon by a serial killer in staten island she gets help from a former lover but will they manage to escape okay Um, it had a full release yeah um like, so this again, was a, it wasn't just like a... No, this was a successful movie. It was considered very successful for the time. It was a full release. I mean, a budget of 250000 and made $5, 5 million in the box office. That was a very successful film. Um, this was not like some blip on the radar mm. hit, you know, hit a few drive-ins and that was it. Um, and it has some notable actors in it too. So it's very mis- mystifying. When Ben and I watched it... We just kept going like, okay, we kind of have to treat this movie like we were watching it in that time. Right. Which, if to me, if we are watching this in that time, and I want, if I had just seen Halloween and liked it, I would have been like, fuck yeah, more of this. Because, like, I don't, I probably, as the casual movie or don't know that, like, what's right around the corner. Right. So, I'm like, yeah, cool, another one of these. And, like, also, the opening to this movie, like, literally feels so much like Halloween to me. Like, the music is almost straight up ripped off. The music, when it's in its suspense, so unlike Halloween, it does what a lot of other movies from this era do, where it has that, like, weird, like, upbeat score that sounds very TV-esque. Friday the 13th does it in the end. Like, when the credits roll and we, like, see the lake, it has that, like, weird, like, Mm -hmm. kind of romantic music almost. Um... 
This movie does that, and then instantly, if the killer appears, it switches to John Carpenter's Halloween soundtrack ripoff. Yeah, it's like hardcore synth. Like, yeah. someone literally, like, you can tell they watch Halloween, and they're like, make me that, but not enough to get sued. Yeah. Um, because I even heard it, and I was like, it has the same musical uh-huh. cues. Like, uh-huh. the strikes are, like, yeah. the same. I was like, yeah. No, it's just, if you watch that movie with your eyes closed, you'd be like, huh, is this a, is this a Halloween movie? Like... Yeah. yeah. Um, it has a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I actually I feel like is a little low. Um, I'm surprised to see how many reviews you pulled up for this, though. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the Times, the the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, I mean, it was reviewed by a lot of people. Um, it's mostly negative, um, which is common at the time. Um, I mean, common at all times. Um <laughs> Unless it's elevated horrors. Right. I feel like we're those. finally moving away from that a little bit. Maybe. Like, Freaky I was reviewed so. pretty well. Happy Death Day was reviewed pretty well. Um, yeah, pretty let's hope. Well. Yeah, exactly. Like, we think well like means yeah. it's over 40% mm-hmm. is what I feel like. If I see anything for a slasher that's over 40%, I'm like, oh, all right. I'm pretty like, sure that's, Freaky has that's pretty good. certified fresh logo on the cover. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, it's very good. Yeah. Um... So what people said, so uh, New York Times, uncertain pacing, halting performances, and innumerable technical flaws, but praise performances from the lead male, um, Don Scardino. Um, I mean, yeah, the pacing's a little off. Yeah, the pacing's um, weird. It does, for a movie that's not very long, it feels, it feels a long. little long. It yeah. does. Um, Michael Bowen faulted the film's script and direction saying slow and strictly second rate production values are only slightly better than those in my uncle's home movies oh i don't think that's i don't think that's true at all also comparatively to some of the shit we've watched well that came out later okay but also we were blessed with this was remastered oh yeah is it remastered? it's remastered from scream factory so i don't really know what the original looks like okay we watched a very beautiful yeah the remaster looks great beautiful remaster from Scream Factory so I guarantee you that um what's that what's that Thanksgiving when we covered Home Sweet Home or no is that what it's called yeah that or Iced I guarantee they're lower quality than or app quality yeah. with what this was originally yeah I agree I wish so many of the ones that we've covered especially ones that we've liked i wish they would get remastered so i could see some of it oh yeah <laughs> like be nice to see. yeah be like it'll be nice to see what's happening in the scene what was that uh um fatal games oh yeah dude that movie was impossible to see half of the movie i was like i think that's what's happening well, i'm not yeah, sure because there's like no good lighting and no. then like even in the daylight sometimes the lighting was blown out yeah. so i'd be like what the fuck's oh, happening yeah, so I think that's very unfair. Even if we watched like a superior cut than they watch, which is very likely. Um, no, I'm sorry. There yeah, was definitely it's also shitty not a bad movies. production. It's not a bad production. Um, it is slow. So yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, LA Times said standard grizzly rampaging killer fare. There are the usual bows to Hitchcock. It does have Hitchcock vibes for sure. Um, but he knows you're alone is really no more than just another by the numbers piece of sickening trash. Ah, uh, yes. Love there it. Sounds There's like the yep. Sounds like the critics There's we the know critics and we love. Know love. Exactly. Just another hack and slash. Yeah, video nasty. Yeah. Um based on characters and ideas developed by John Carpenter, um, it's nothing more than that. I mean, it's obviously a, a 
massive, massive Halloween-influenced film. Um, and then, but this reviewer, Summers, also noted the lack of on-screen violence, leaving mm-hmm. the more bloodthirsty horror fans feeling cheated, which I agree with. I totally agree with that, too. Um, it, it just sort of, like, rode that edge where, really, like, at this level of a film, you should have, like, given some gore. Because that's that's who this film is for. It's not Halloween, right? Um, so it it definitely felt like it needed to have more gore. Um, and then this review, which I pretty much agree with, um, John Hersfeld of the Courier praised the film's opening film within a film sequence as a wry twist, and stating, despite the incompetent script and some irregular pacing, he knows your alone does deliver a few surprises and some suspense. Yeah, that I would say is a yeah. very appropriate accurate mm-hmm. review. Um yeah, and the I'll well I'll save the twist till we get to the like synopses, but like it's pretty crazy that as big of a fan as I am, yes. this movie does something that the Scream franchise um kind of updates. Uh, had no idea. Me like, either. literally none. As in, considering we're both such huge Scream fans. I and like, I, like, the hell? wrote a whole anniversary piece about Scream 2. Never came across that knowledge. Yeah, it's wild. I was like, what the hell? I was like, "You, this is definitely, definitely influenced yes. Scream 2. <clears throat> Crazy. Um, Let's look at this poster. This poster is so, before you get, like, into it, like, the first thing I noticed. Because, again, this is an era that doesn't know what the slasher movie is yet. Correct. This poster is so Last House on the Left, uh-huh. like I Spit on Your Grave uh-huh. exploitation poster. Yeah. It's very much like, here's a girl in trauma. Come mm-hmm. watch her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some argue that that's what the slasher film is about, but that's not what the slasher film is about. No, it's not. At all. Um, it's actually quite the opposite of that. It's um, now the whole point of the slasher film is the the final girl seeing, you know, seeing her be stalked and you know those around her being killed and her rising above and you know becoming stronger than the killer um, instead of being exploited. Um, two very separate genres. Um, so it is very interesting to see this poster, which very much treats it like. No, you're gonna sit here and you're gonna watch a girl get like tortured. Mm-hmm. Um and <laughs> also these fucking headlines. <laughs> yeah. So every girl is frightened the night before her wedding. So and we can get into that, but the, then the sub tagline, but this time there's a good reason. He knows you're alone. <laughs> what I do love in the type treatment, which actually is let me look it up. Um it reminds me of the Type treatment, Alice. Sweet Alice, I think. Yeah, where it's using like a script um, to look like um, feminine handwriting. Um, But I love that they have sort of this image Mm -hmm. as like a graphic above the H. And it's like her, the same image of her in the poster, like as a graphic. And I think that's actually really powerful. Um, The poster is very well um put together like the composition's really good i just think it's for us knowing what a slasher is and what what the genre is to be this poster does not look like that whatsoever um and but 
judging it in that time where, you know, that doesn't exist. If you look at the poster for Halloween um, or Black Christmas, you know, it, those posters do not look like what we associate with even those later 80s slashers. So you tell Halloween comes here. It's just the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. pumpkin. I mean, that's close because um, it's got the knife. Like, I feel like Halloween, again, the, the Halloween set us off. Black Christmas, again, does look more like an exploitation. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it's got her wrapped in the saran wrap and everything. Yeah. So I mean, it honestly might have also contributed to this movie doing so. The poster? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like thinking about it in the time, you're just, you're trying to sell a horror movie about a girl being stalked. You're going to show her scared. Um, so I, I do think it's effective. Um, I do think it's a well done poster. It's just not one that um, I would look at and go, that's a slasher movie. Um, but I'm saying that from 2022. So. Um, I, I think it was an effective campaign for the time, um, which is all that matters. Um, Taglines, yeah. The night before a wedding, there's time to kill. And then the one that's on the poster, every girl's frightened the night before her wedding, but this time there's a good reason. So I like that tagline because I do think it relates to a lot of themes that are discussed in this movie, which is like, Sort of like cold feet. Well, and like that, like second wave of feminism that came on in the eighties, um, who sort of stepped away from the really um, radical seventies feminists, like, and stepped into more of the like. Well, actually, I just want to like go to work and, you know, go to college and not be expected to, like, marry right out of high school. Right. Um, and Questioning was, if marriage is the right path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, thinking about, like, their own choices as opposed to the smart choices for, like, the life they need to live. And I was kind of surprised that that was even things that were sort of alluded to in this movie. Again, Maybe that's sort of like a Black Christmas type inspiration. Um, you know, there's a lot of feminist plot points in that film. Um, but I do think that really relates to that. Um, just sort of showing that like maybe not every woman is excited the night before her wedding. I just um, think the, the wording is funny. Oh, it like is. Frightened. Uh, because like I get what they're saying, nervous or, or, or whatever. But I'm like, frightened? What? I don't know. You weren't a girl the night before your wedding. That's true. I was drunk the night before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> we were drunk together. That's what four banger does to one. Um, so it was directed by Armand Mastroianni. Um, this was his first film, um, which is pretty cool. Didn't do much either. No. So, uh, well, I mean, he's done quite a bit, but nothing big. So right. most of this crew doesn't have anything notable. That's not the right way to put it. Doesn't have anything like massive that we go like, oh, look at these horror movies they did, or like look at what they ended up doing. Right. Um, some stayed in the business. So he stayed in the business, did four episodes of Tales from the Dark Side, eight episodes of the Friday the thirteenth the series, and then has continued to work consistently, like fifty plus 
um, TV show directing credits and made for TV movies. Um, so definitely still working as a director, um, which is awesome um, to start start your career on this and um, still be working is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by Scott Parker. Um, this is it. This is all Scott Parker did. He had one other credit in 1980 for the story for Die Laughing, um, which you know, the business at all, that could mean so many different right. things. Yeah, sometimes story is literally like, he was like, wouldn't this be a cool movie? And then someone's like, yeah, and then they write, they write it. a script, yeah. and they have to credit him <laughs> yeah, to not get sued. Him. Exactly. Um, so who who knows what that is? So, I mean, essentially, this is, this is the only film that he has written. Um, the score was done by Alexander and Mark Piskovnov. Um... This is the only film that they did. Um, the only other credit, Alexander, was on 1982's The Clairvoyant, which Armand also directed. Um, but yeah, that's it for them. Um, Gerard Field did the, the cinematography, did the cinematography for Friday the 13th Part 3, Ooh. Um, which is cool. Um, but that's otherwise, nice. really not not a lot of not a lot of credits besides that. Um George T. Norris was the editor. Um, I didn't know uh, the films that he was known for, but it was 1971's Made in Sweden, 1978's French Quarter, and 1984's Exterminator 2 was his last credit. Um, So yeah, not a lot of this crew we've run into. I mean, we'll eventually run back into the cinematographer when we cover Friday the 13th Part 3, um, but yeah, another sign that this is like before the boom. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause when um, we get into some of those other ones, we have a lot of overlap right. in casting. Because crew. I think they're still at this point figuring out right. like, what, what is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as B said, we get some pretty decent big names in this uh, cast, yeah. including one really big one. Um, it's weird that Don Scardino is listed as the lead character because uh, yeah. he's not. Uh, he gets head billing as Marvin Travis. Um, he does a lot of directing now. He's done things for Only Murders in the Building or episodes of Only Murders in the Building, 30 Rock, Young Sheldon, Two Broke Girls, so lots of sitcom stuff. I know Only Murders isn't a sitcom, but like... Um, yeah, so uh, Caitlin O'Heaney as Amy Jensen, who is our actual like final girl quote unquote um i mean marvin marvin yeah that's so weird that he's listed above her he i mean he kind of has a pivotal role at the end um but she's amy jensen 1987 tv show the charming where she played snow white um she has 25 credits total usually about an episode of tv every couple years we get elizabeth kemp as nancy um she was an acting coach for a star is born uh passed away in 2017 she was in The Clairvoyant, which was another movie, I believe, that Armand did, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Rolfing as Ray Carlton. That is our killer. This is his only credit. Um, Louis Art- Arlt uh, as Len Gamble. That's our, like, detective. This is another one of those ones where... This is an interesting one because we get, like, half the slasher story of a final girl and, and half, half of it of is, like, a, of, like yeah. the crime procedural. Yeah. Patsy Pease as Joyce. Who, oh my god, did 1,066 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Yeah, she was in the show. So I know what was so baffling is she had no picture on IMDb. But I'm like, 
there's no way that woman was like strikingly beautiful. Like there's no way that she did not act in anything else. And then I go to her credits. I still don't know why she's have a picture on IMDb. But yeah, she was in like a couple soap operas and then obviously was a main character. Who the hell was she in it? I don't know. Because I watched these. Um, James Reborn as Professor Carl Mason, um, who would go on to be in Independence Day, Talented Miss Ripley, White Collar. He died in 2014 at age 64. Um, and then we get a real, real big one here. Um, Tom Hanks is in this movie. It's his first movie credit. Um, I believe he had been doing booze and buddies um but this is his first movie credit and he is elliot um the running the running guy yeah they like literally run into him and then he hangs out with him for a full day at a carnival um yeah, that was a really weird subplot. and they liked him so much he was supposed to be body fodder yeah um because this killer does kind of go on a tear where he's just like killing everyone around yeah um and they liked him so much they decided to like not even film his death scene um, which is like a weird choice super weird because I'm like, well, then you have this character that you introduce in a slasher that, like, then just disappears. He doesn't show up in the finale. He doesn't show up to find... Thought he would be, like, a love interest for yeah. What's-Her-Face. For yeah, Nancy. Doesn't... He yeah. doesn't show back nope. up for Nancy. He, like, literally just disappears after their, like, carnival date. And I'm like, no. I was, like, waiting for him to die. Yeah, it's really Die awesome. or, or like, help like, save the day. Can you imagine, too, just being, like, filming a movie and being like, you know what? I like this person as a person so much. We're not. I can understand if it's like a franchise or a TV show. Yeah. We want this character to develop. Yeah. But this guy, there, I was like, yeah. Why? We all love him. Yeah. We don't want to um, kill him. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a there. There's got to be something more to that. Like that's such a weird. Decision. Like maybe they were over budget or something. Had to finish. And well, like, well, we can cut this. Scene. Yeah. So the movie there was the producer of. Man, I should write it down. I forgot. The producer of a different horror movie was supposed to produce this and then ended up having to back out and couldn't finance it. So the movie got approved with half the budget that was expected. So they shot this film, and I wrote that down. They shot it in 18 days. Um, so it could be just time constraints. Yeah. They shot in 18 days. The crew and cast would have to shoot multiple locations a day to be able to fit in that time period. Um, it was all filmed in Long Island where like most of the film was supposed to take place like somewhere else. And like it was supposed to be filmed in like Texas or something. Probably why there's a carnival, like whole storyline. Um, and they ended up having to shoot it all in Long Island in December. I guess they wrapped production like the day before Christmas. Yeah, it it does. It actually, it's funny because watching it, I was like, this looked cold. Yeah, it looked cold. Yeah, which I didn't enjoy watching that. I was like, I don't watch a movie where it's cold. No, it's like stark. <laughs> it makes cold. me mad. Yeah, I'm like, like it's no, not winter right now. I don't want to watch. No, yeah. I was like, I don't want to watch something with people in coats. Uh, Paul Gleason as Detective Frank Daly, and he would go on to be very famously known as the principal from Breakfast Club. And then James Carroll is Phil, who is technically kind of a, a, a killer, because this movie does, we'll get to it, but this roundabout thing of, like, it's a cyclical killer thing. It's very odd. But he plays, um, he's Phil, and he was Teddy in Girls' Night Out. Great. Yeah. Glad we, we get a Girls' Night Out reference. Yeah. Brennan, Brennan, I hope you're happy. Um, yeah. And so, um, it is a theme slasher. The It was conscious to put this, because of the success of Halloween, 
before the idea of tapping into other holidays was really explored. It was um, like the idea was to have different bridal settings. That's why there is the bride's house. That's why there is the uh, dress shop. That's why the, there's one more scene to church, maybe? No. Yeah, yeah, the church. The yeah, church. the church. Yeah, and with so the dripping dust yeah. water. So it was like specifically, like they did specifically want to have something that could be themed to have themed killings slash at least locations where the killings are happening. Yeah. Um. It is the first post Halloween slasher movie, uh, and it is a teen screen. Well, loose teen screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so our killer, Ray Carlton. So he's a jackass. Yeah. Our so he this is not a whodunit. We see him from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And his story is that his um fiance left him for another man. And on her wedding night to or wedding day to that man, he kills her. Mm-hmm. And then goes on a killing spree, um, killing brides to be. Yeah. And we know that the man who was going to marry her is our detective lead. Correct. Um, um, so he has yeah. a vendetta, a heavy vendetta against Ray Carlton. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's been two years, I think, when this movie starts. It's been two years since he's done any killings. Uh, he shows up on a bus and here he comes. Yeah. Um, that was odd. There were some very like pensive scenes with the murder in this where he's like, with the flashback scene in particular where he's kind of like dreamily staring out the window. like, And he's so passive. He doesn't seem angry at all. He's like very dreamlike. I was like, this is weird. Because I didn't realize we were going to meet our killer so fast. And when yeah. it shows him, I was like, oh, okay. Like we know who our killer is. Yeah. And then like seeing those scenes of him, I was like, this is kind of, that's like the only scene it happens with. But I was like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. No, there's some weird choices made for sure. Um, yeah, I don't. It's fine. I'm always, it just depends on the movie. Like, there's a lot of slashers. Um, talking about this before the episode started with um, my husband, Ben. There's a lot of slashers that I love where you know the killer right away. I mean, you know who Michael right. is right away. Yeah. Um, you know who Freddy every is. Every Jason, every, every Friday after Friday, too. Yeah. You know exactly. You know who it's your Jason. Is. So there's a, a ton of slasher movies that I love and think are amazing that are not whodunits. That it's not integral does not have to be a trope used with that said i think the whodunit makes films with less interesting scripts better also less interesting killers and less interesting killers like even if even without talking even without backstory do like so many of these killers jason like the ones you said jason michael all, all these guys have visual flair at least like they're cool to look at they're fun to look at they're intimidating you know like different things you know there are so many different things i can think about those guys and like this is just a guy right like a, a not, slightly tall guy not intimidating i know it's it not is, even like a big guy no that's it's funny because they they asked that's like one of the scenes they were asking amy like whoa is he a big guy and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? I know. I, I had that same exact reaction when she's like, yeah. I was like, no. He's, as, he's like actually smaller than like the guy you're standing next yeah, to. Yeah. I'm like, he seems like actually a particularly smaller guy. Um, like not intimidating physically at all, which is fine. Right. Uh, but 
it, it was just weird. So I don't love, I just don't love the choice to have him revealed without doing something more interesting. Like he should have talked. Oh or, yeah. Never know. talks. We don't get any yeah. backstory on him. He just like opens the, his eyes really crazy. That he was left, yeah. left him. Yeah. He's like a really, really, really boring killer. Yeah, I enjoyed like the theme. Like that's what sold the us. The theme was because cool. the tra- yeah. like, the trailer is like cool. It's like he stalks women because he knows they're alone the night before their wedding because yeah. that's a traditional wedding thing. Yeah. So you sleep alone. Like you don't sleep with your, your groom. So like I thought that was cool, but then I was like, oh, he's actually just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, he uses a knife pretty much throughout the entire movie. Um, Amy is our. Technical difficulties here. Is it disconnected or something? And where was that? Um, he uses a knife. Uh, the entire movie. That's like the one weapon he uses. So it's not even like a particularly large. It's kind of a longer, slender knife actually, instead of like Michael's traditional like big old butcher knife. Um, big Amy, old knife. <laughs> big old knife. That's how. That's my technical definition of yeah. knives. Amy is our final girl, even though I mean, you know, every episode is spoiler written, so uh, Amy dies at the end because right. um, this they do this weird cyclical thing where like Ray dies or Ray gets arrested. I guess he doesn't die. And Amy is about to marry um, Marvin, and then because but because she left Phil, like jilted Phil, he comes back around to kill her. So it does this like thing where it's like, oh look, like now he's gonna do it. Right. I mean, that's what happens on Friday, though. I mean, Alice dies technically. Well, it's a we find out it's a dream. But if there wasn't a Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, right? Oh, I I don't like. Well. I don't hate it, but I think it's kind of goofy. Because, like, at least this, at least Friday makes sense. It's like, it's the son that we've known about this whole movie right. that everyone thought was dead. And this just goes like, hey, you know that thing that Roy started killing people for? Well, now Phil's going to do it because you fucking left Phil. So I think that... Or Ray, I, not Roy. I wonder if... I'd be curious to know if there was, like, cut scenes. Because we have that really weird scene where Phil calls her... And he's, like, at his bachelor party, and you can hear, like, the women in the background. And, like, they're really trying to get us, like, not to like him, right? Yeah. And he's, like, calling. He's, like, oh, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. But that was it. That was, like, the whole scene. Oh, yeah, that was weird. And it was really weird. So I wonder if, like, just for budget reasons, they cut it out. Like, we got to see, like, more of that relationship. Like, that ending would have made more sense if we would have seen, like, any type of jealousy or violence or something like that from, from him. Phil, yeah. And then we get to the end and be like, oh, yeah. But so literally all we ever get from Phil is him, like, joking around with his dude friends about their bachelor party. Yeah, about how they're going to have fucking porn and, yeah. porn and women. Yeah. Um, Isn't that what you did for your bachelor party? Yeah, you were there. Don't yeah. you remember? Oh, yeah, I forgot about all that porn all we watched. All the porn Yeah, my bad. How did I? I must I, have blocked that I out of my memory. I only group watch porn. Yes. That's how I watch porn. Um, there's eight kills in this movie, which is actually kind of a lot. Uh, it felt like less at the end of the movie. It did feel like less. I mean, there's really seven. Yeah, and also, yeah, like, so much of the reviews, the one thing I'll say they all got right is the pacing of this movie is super wonky. 
Yeah. Because, like, it something exciting will happen, and then it slams its fucking brakes and, like, really drags you through the motions. And there's some, like, scenes that are, like, really long. Um, like the scene with the teacher and, oh, where and they, the student. Oh, my God. That, both yeah. scenes with the teacher and the student. Like, when he runs into them, that whole scene is super long and weird. And then when he's actually hooking up with the student and he's, like, playing tickle fight with her. Dude, and that traps her whole scene was so long. And it's really meant to be suspenseful. I think with a better score, that would have been executed and better. better. And with better editing, for sure. There's, like, so much. I'm like, all right, I get it. She's out of the window. He was just outside of the window. But, like, let's... Let's yeah. move on to the next the next part. Um, I feel like even like the more we talk about it, and the more it like goes back to like when I watch it, and I go like, it's not that I don't like this movie. It's just it just something something's off. Right, something's and, not because there are so there are a lot of things I really like. Um, our first kill is when we get our backstory. Um, no, our our first kill is actually the movie theater ride. Um, because we get the backstory when we're introduced yeah. to Len. So we get this bride who um, is at the movie theater with her friend. And they're like watching a scary movie. And she like is, she's in the bathroom and she gets feeling that this guy's like following her. And she goes back to her friend and she's like, I don't want to be here. This is really creeping me out. And her friend's like, it's fine. Um, you know, and they're watching a horror movie. And we see Roy sit directly behind her. And what he does, and this is the movie, this is the scene they lifted in and you know bettered in scream too but what he does is he waits until a scary moment in the movie where she screams where like the audience would normally normally scream and he stabs her in the back yeah um and then she like you know leans on her friend and it like to her friend it, it seems like she's hiding her face from being scared and he gets up and leaves and so like it takes a while for people to notice that she's actually dead um it's a cool scene i think it's like Again, it's wild to watch that scene and be like, holy shit, this 100% like was inspired Kevin for Scream 2. Well, yeah, and even the movie within a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like, they're watching is, a movie that's not a real movie. Is that the first time that that happens, this movie? It can't be. Right? That's how I felt. Like, I was watching that. I'm like... Is this the earliest time that that happens? Like, what? I feel like someone like Mel Brooks... Or does that like fake out where you think that's the movie you're watching and then or Fellini or it someone pans out? Yeah, I feel like that would be one of those. It's got to be somebody else, but I was like, damn, like that's yeah. I mean, it got me for sure. So the trivia behind that is, I guess that was the movie that was pitched, a movie about like the Hookman legend. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah and about then the, the very famous like Hookman, yeah, kind of urban legends. And they were like not in the pitch meeting. They were like, oh god, yeah. And so then he instantly was like, but it was like an on the fly thought, like, but they're actually not. That's not who it's about. They're just watching that movie, and then that's how. Wouldn't that it be funny if about. like this guy was like pitching the movie and that he had a whole pitch prepared for Hookman? And then he realizes they hate it. So he, he did. That's oh, exactly that's like what happened. He pivoted. Yeah. Props to that dude. Yeah, he pivoted because he could tell they just like were like, "Well, yeah, okay, like we're not doing it." He's like, "Well, like they're watching that movie, but that's not." The and then movie. he pulled the story out of his yeah. ass. Hmm, pretty. Incredible. I mean, maybe he had, right, maybe he had like it somewhere in the back of his head. Yeah, it, like it a different script. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, he had to pivot on the spot um, because they weren't going for the Hookman legend. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we get to introduce to Len, who's our detective, and that's when we realize that Len was the husband, or almost husband, of the woman who left our killer. So he has a vendetta against this guy. Um, and so he comes in and pretty much like takes charge of the case. Um, Frank Daly, paid, played by Paul Gleason, yeah. um, is like his overseeing commander. He's uh, like he's also just the detective. He's not like a captain or anything, but he's like overseeing him. Um, and it like kind of lets you... Like, it kind of seems like Len is, like, not taking very seriously on the force. Like, he's definitely become obsessed with this case and, like, kind of, obviously, you know, his bride-to-be was murdered. And so, like, this reinvigorates him, but he's not in the best standings. Right. Um, so, yeah, we get him. I wish we had more time with him, actually, because I like a lot of the stuff with him. Yeah. He's also, like, a pretty good-looking guy. Yeah. Um, but, like, again, this movie just feels like it doesn't know exactly what it wants to do. Yeah. Uh because I think so, we meet our main characters who are going to be yeah, Amy, Nancy, and Joyce. Yeah, Amy, Nancy, Joyce, and Marvin. Um, it's just funny, like all these things about Marvin. I think Marvin's like not like I don't think he's a bad actor, but I, there's nothing about him where I'm like I like this guy. I want to spend more time with him. Like we we uh, meet. I thought he was pretty likable. He's fine. He's like a goofy dude. Yeah. But like I don't know. I wasn't just like. Um, I think I was more interested because I enjoyed the, the not it wasn't necessarily him, but I enjoyed this idea that like her husband to be is gone at his bachelor party, right, and she's spending time with and she's spending her ex. time with her ex, and then you know we get this development that she's really marrying Phil because she thinks that's the smart thing to do, and that like she likes Marvin. And she has fun with him, but, like, the, what kind of husband is that? Right. She keeps saying, like, what are we going to do? Make jokes about dead, the dead people all the time? Because he's a, 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 morgue. a morgue assistant. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, she feels like that's not the sensible choice to be with see, him. see, like, that's what I'm saying, too. Like, a lot of this movie, like, still doesn't know what slashers are yet. Because, like, a lot of the stuff with Marvin and her is super rom com Yeah. Like, a ton of it. Yeah. And there's even parts that are rom com that, like, slip slasher stuff in there. Like, when he... When, when she sees him, the killer outside of the house, and he goes out there and he's like joking around yeah. and he's getting pulled in the bush. I'm like, this is super goofy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we get introduced to all of our leads. I think all of the women are very enjoyable in this movie. They are. They're very I, like real. Uh, um, that's how I remembered their names. Right. And something that this movie does do, and I was looking because, um, you know, again, I always, I, I respect uh, Brennan's opinion, our producer, a lot. And he reviewed this movie on Letterboxd and he even says, he's like, wow, like actually fleshed out characters. Yeah. And I was like, it's yeah. refreshing. Yeah, it is. Um, that is, to me, a saving grace of this movie. It is. Because the characters are very likable. Yeah. Um, but there, again, are just some weird things. So, so we find out that like, is it Nancy that's with the teacher? No, that's Joyce. Joyce is like sleeping with one of her professors, and they like run out to a mountain public with his wife, and like the girls all. It's a very uncomfortable scene where they're like teasing him about like, oh, blah blah blah. You wouldn't give me an F, would you? Yeah, and he's just like, I don't even know who you. Are. He's like trying to play it off to his what's wife. Your he's names? like, what's your name again? I don't remember your what class are you in? Intro to what? Like, um, and like so there's just like some weird stuff like that where like again like. I don't think it's bad, but all these scenes are, like, 10 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just, like, don't know when to wrap up, um, including, like, the Rotha Taylor scene. So, like, she, um, uh, Amy goes to try her dress on. We are introduced to this very eccentric 
um, like he, it's him and his Taylor, wife run yeah. a yeah a, ga- a bridal gown shop. He's like smoking cigars around all the dresses, which first of all is like ew. Now they all smell like fucking cigar smoke. Um, and then like she's like coughing constantly, and he's like, "Just hold your breath." That's what my wife does. And again, very rom comy shit. Uh-huh. Like that whole scene, and like she's like asking him like, "Is marriage worth it?" And he's like, "No way." Blah blah blah. Like joking, like basically like I'm an old married man. And then like the killer just shows up and savagely stabs this dude numerous yeah. times in the stomach. Yeah. Um, so there's just like uh, a lot of weird, goofy shit like that. Um, Joyce and Carl or the next to go. Um, That's where we have that whole scene of them in the house that yes. has some good moments, but, you know, like we've just kind of come to, just like too long, just needs a better score, needs to be edited quicker in like more suspenseful ways to be more impactful, right. but some nice ideas. Yeah, because the girls are like going to throw their own little like tiny like bachelorette party and then Joyce goes to sleep with Carl because his wife's not there. And so she goes over to sleep with him. And like, yeah, like you said, like that, that whole scene we talked about. And then like he cuts the power and he, she's killed off screen. Like literally uh, Carl just shows up and she's laying in the bed dead already. And then he's stabbed to death. Um, and then and then um, we that's when we jump to it's still nancy now is nancy and amy are going running it's like the next morning um nancy's or amy's sister's there there's like again more sitcom shit she's like what's wrong with you she's like i ate too much cake last night and i was like okay and they run into her ex and they invite him to go to the carnival he has to work so they're like they're like well we're gonna go jogging first so they could jog through the park and literally run into tom hanks well yeah because they that's why they're going they're hungover and they don't want to oh, go right, for right. the run but they're like oh but there's that cute guy and like amy convinces like well you need to actually go talk to him i guess she sees him every morning on her runs right and he actually like wants to talk to her too he trips her yeah it's the whole thing and then uh, we're like oh wait that's tom hanks yeah it's like a meet cute yeah uh and they all go to the carnival with amy's sister and then um, a whole thing could have been cut except for the um part where they drive through like the scary masks yeah that part's cool but the whole part with like tom hanks giving her a psych eval yeah like you find out tom hanks is a first year psych major and he's giving her a whole i cannot express enough how much this movie felt like a rom-com because he's like giving her this whole spiel that's the line that's that we were talking about earlier. It's like, is he big? Yeah, it's sexual. Blah blah blah. It's this whole thing. It's very Tom Hanksy, you know, the way uh-huh. he delivers dialogue. And then, and then they're like, "What year are you in in psych?" And he's like, first year. It's my first quarter, or it's my first semester." And I, and again, I was like sitting there, kind of chuckling because I'm still just like, "This is just a rom com that someone was like, and here's five murder scenes." <laughs> but that's a teen scream. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. It just it like, just. It, Teen Screams feel to me more like soapy, where yeah. this felt straight wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it hadn't like found its footing of like what a Teen Scream right. is going to turn into be, where like, yeah, you have this group of friends that you really like to see, and you like to see their exploits of who they date, right? all that stuff, which is what we get in all those, you know, later. This has a lot of the basics. Yeah. It just it doesn't just, do much with them. Exactly. Or does them wrong. Right. Um poorly i guess that, I yeah it just say. doesn't know what to do with that because it like, like has the idea that it has the idea of like let's take the elements we love from like you know like uh i guess the teen screams are more of like coming of age movies right less like rom-coms 
So I think that's where they like slightly missed the mark is like instead of focusing so much on like the rom-com part, focusing more of like adolescent coming of age, like fun movie. And then you throw in a killer who's tormenting one of them. And then you get a slasher. That's why slashers are so fun. Where this movie, yeah, exactly. Instead of like, you know, I don't know. What was a coming of age movie in 1980? I don't know. It's too far back for me. But Breakfast Club. (laughs) Well, no, exactly. Like, instead of this being like the Breakfast Club with, you know, a slasher element, it's, you know, a rom-com. Yeah. Um, and like this carnival thing, when I'm a sucker for carnival stuff, yeah, I think they could have done a lot cooler stuff. The haunted house thing I thought was cool. I enjoyed I it. Yeah. I even like went to the riding of the scrambler, and because the way that ride works, she keep she sees it yeah. and it takes her away. Yeah, and like it's suspenseful, right? Because yeah. it's like so. I think there's moments in that carnival scene, but like you said, all the weird dialogue and like and like the stuff with her sister i'm just like why is she this character the sister does not need to exist like literally the sister exists just so she can leave to drop her sister off at a birthday party and come back to nancy dead yeah um and again like it's for her to leave the house yeah because elliot that's tom hanks character even though we spend all this time with him they go back to the house you think again because he's hitting off with nancy you think he's like gonna be there nope nancy's just alone yep um uh yeah, because she's going to go. He, They were supposed to go get dinner together. And because um, Amy is so freaked out, Nancy canceled the date and is going to stay home. Right. And then um, Amy drives her sister to a birthday party. And, come, and while this is happening, um, Nancy lights a joint. Um, puts on a record. Puts on a record. Looks like a girl. Looks great. Yeah. yeah. I wa- like watching that scene, I was like, God, that looks... Um, and then now that's a way to spend an evening yeah and then she's decapitated um another way to spend an evening it's yeah i mean it is a way uh yeah and amy Amy comes back she sees nancy's head in the fish tank very night school Mm -hmm. um ray makes himself known um there's this whole scene where she he's chasing her she gets into her car another good moment she's in the car she's driving um, she's like keeps looking behind her to see if like he's there, and then we realize he's on top of the car. Um, like he's managed to ride on top of the car. Um, she wrecks the car, but manages to get to the morgue where Marvin works. Um, the detective has already also parsed down, like figured out what's going on, and he gets there as well. There's this whole kind of like final showdown scene where the detective is killed. Unfortunately, while he's killed, he manages to get a shot in on Ray. And because Ray is injured, Marvin and Amy are able to trap him. He dies him. because of Amy because he, like, turns away from him and is like, go, just go, get oh, out of yeah. here, get out of here. And then why he's yelling at her. Ray stabs him in the heart. Yep. Yeah. I was like, you dummy. Yeah. Um, but they manage to trap him in a closet is eventually what happens. And then the police show up. Again, our killer doesn't die either, which is, that's, I thought it was weird to pivot to Phil. Yeah. Because our, like... It's not a horrible thing to happen, but it just is weird because, like you said, I mean, we get no build have, up with he Phil. He might have died. He might have died. Well, he I think bleeding it's, out, it's maybe. presumed that he dies. Right, I guess. But like, it shows trapped in a closet. Please show up. Yeah. Usually, again, 
a slasher that came out two years later, you know he would have came back. Yeah. Like, he, it would have been like, oh my God, like the, and they the just. closet would have been empty. Right. Or, yeah. Like, or, or even just, she's at the wedding and they'd be like, whatever happened to that guy? And she'd be like, I don't know. They never found him. Like something like that, you know? But instead they were just like, ah, it's Phil. It's just fucking right. Phil. Um, yeah. And that's how the movie ends. Amy is fucking, she's stabbed um, as the credits roll. Most of these deaths are off screen. Almost yeah. all of them. Yeah. Um, be which your favorite kill? Oh, Nancy for sure. That's the best kill. I think mine's got to be the movie theater bride, just because. Yeah, I mean, no, that's great. And I genuinely like that scene. Well, um, I, I think the opening—that's well a really good opening. Um, even that one did feel a little bit long, like the whole bathroom part. Oh, yeah, no, it did. <laughs> felt long, but I like. This movie's only like two ninety-two minutes, but or something. somehow every segment feels twenty minutes mm-hmm. too long. Which I don't know how that's I possible. I totally agree. Like, I don't I know actually, how a segment that's not 20 minutes can feel 20 minutes too long, but it does. I, it was funny. I fell asleep at one point. I did too. And I woke up. At and the I very I, end. I woke up and thought I missed a bunch. I I was like, oh, I didn't miss like anything. But no. it felt so much longer. I was like starting to doze off at the end and Ben's like, oh, you want to go get in bed? I'm like, well, no, I have to finish this. And then I looked. I'm like, oh, there's only 20 minutes left. But then finishing that 20 minutes was like. I think that's right around where I dozed off I was too. like, okay, all right, got to go. Got to keep going chug along no just nancy i love i really liked that character a lot and then just the whole like i think nancy's my favorite character yeah no she was the best and then you know yeah just like relaxing getting a joint putting on some music and laying down in your house and then to be fucking decapitated and having your head put in uh yeah you can even tell though that like even some of the character archetypes like you know were lifted from halloween because like aunt, like oh yeah um like amy is Lori. yeah and um and jody is that her name joyce or joyce is uh-huh. pj soul's character who yeah, i can never remember I know. yeah but like they're they're there's they're lifted from that i know i remember bob yeah i always forget her name in the movie because not is it Annie? No, Annie's the other one. Annie's her other friend, the, yeah. the sheriff's daughter. Um, we mentioned numerous times in the episode talking about the position of the horror landscape. It is vastly overlooked and mis- like just forgotten. Yeah. Um, which I think, even with all of its shortcomings, I think is a is a bummer. And sh- and this movie does deserve a little bit more. Well, it's obviously influenced the genre. Right, it influences so, genre, and like it is no matter what. Like I, you know, like not everyone likes to, but I love seeing like when a successful movie comes out, and like seeing who tries to run with that formula, and like how well they do with it. Um, and so, like, I think this being the first movie from Halloween, and they're like, okay, we're gonna give it a go. Like, this is what we came up with. Is like very interesting to look at as like a I film agree. fan and a slasher fan. I agree. Uh, cool. So at the end and of the also, oh, it's just the, like the one last yeah. thing I was gonna say. I do like find it um, like one of the things I really enjoyed was sort of these like more sophisticated themes with the characters, mm-hmm. like these fleshed out characters. This whole theme of like, you know, like I wasn't expecting to walk into like a nineteen eighties slasher with these like feminist undertones yeah and i was like oh okay like we're obviously painting the guy who's like gonna cheat on his fiance as bad 
We're not like glorifying that whatsoever. There's no nudity either. There's no nudity. We're also going to show that while she's not cheating on her fiance, she's being honest about the fact that she still has feelings for this guy and why isn't she with him? And what does that mean? Um, does she even want to get married? Um, all of these sort of like more complex themes and cool. ideas for uh, what type of movie this is like really like brought a lot more to right. And let's not forget, characters. you know, horror movies tend to like cycles of horror movies tend to be born out of what's happening in the world. Right. Like we obviously saw how horror movies change post nine eleven. We saw how they've um, changed during the recession. We saw how they've changed with the recent. Me Too and BLM movements um, and the original slasher franchise Carpenter has said was born out of the women's movement right. in the 80s yeah. and you know we lose that a lot later in the 80s when they became known for being cheap and money making and so like lots of sex and stuff but like let's not forget how many feminist forward slashers there were Halloween and this and slumber party massacre yeah, um like, like there's a black lot of christmas movies yeah black christmas yeah. so yeah i definitely again well, yeah. this movie does a lot right, right like a lot of pieces are there it just kind of just can't ever quite figure out how to put them all together yeah um which like so many factors go into making these movies i mean that it's said that the complete movie from shot to being in the can was only six months which is insane especially on that type of budget like it was obviously um filmed very quickly right um this is our 83rd movie on the list if you are tuning in for the first time b and i rank every movie at the end of the episode um it is ranked based on how well we think it works as a slasher not how much we like the movie um or uh, anything like that so we're literally looking at it from like a slasher blueprint and deciding like kind of where it fits in when it comes in terms terms of that you can find that list at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list um number one is still nightmare on elm street from 1984 followed by my bloody valentine from 81 which was our reigning champ for like literally three years um and then at the very very bottom of our list we have both the april fool's days and girls might not um um yeah, so I need to pull up the list because I just have it sitting here. The, again, this movie follows a lot of blueprint stuff. It feels, even though it's not, it feels very proto. But it's not. No, it's a slasher. Yeah, it's definitely a slasher, and it does a lot of stuff right. Like, I like <clears throat> we get the background on the killer, we get these very fleshed out characters that we care about um we get some interesting cool scenes but the things we get wrong like our killer is dreadfully boring dreadfully um it's pacing is so weird that it like takes all the suspense and drama out of it our final girl is good like i really like Amy as a character but she doesn't have much of an she has an arc on a very personal level that has nothing to do with the killer exactly like literally the killer could not be in this movie and she'd have the same arc. It would be the same exact yeah. arc. It's just her like, coming I to terms to with her getting married. I want to cut all of the 
kill scenes out of this movie and just put it out and i'd be like here's this rom-com from 1980 yeah. Yeah. that you've never heard of before called yeah. i don't know i'll come up with some new name for it like here you go um yeah so her character arc has nothing to do with the killer yeah. she's not forced like she she's not forced to, like overcome anything no. being with the killer didn't or, like having to deal with the killer didn't make her realize oh i actually love marvin no. nothing like that no, it had nothing to do with that um yeah so um yeah our killer our final girls like situation with our killer and then the kills yeah the kills are just i mean that uh, the we get two really cool impactful kills we get that opening one and then we get the decapitation scene and everything else is off screen and very minimal you know like lying across the throat with some blood um yeah and so because of those things i do feel like it sinks it quite a bit right so um, yeah influential right obviously does like weirdly influential right... because it is but it's like no one knows about it right well yeah exactly so like you look at this movie it's gonna tell you it's the first like movie inspired by halloween and you know kevin williamson's you know script in scream 2 was inspired by this right clearly but if you look up either of those movies, you would have no idea. No idea whatsoever. It reminds me a lot of sort of this scenario that we were in for... Um, oh my God, we've covered so many movies. I can't... What's a grocery store one called? Oh, Intruder. Intruder. It reminds me a lot of the situation where we were in with Intruder, where we're like, it has some of the slasher tropes. It's missing a lot of them. But what it does, it does very well. It does very well. Right. And mostly what was what got that movie to be in this position on the list is we could see the potential and the influence and where those ideas were going to go. Right. And that's really what I think works the best about this movie is the character development, which is key to a good slasher you have to care about your cast otherwise we don't care if they get killed and how influential it was right otherwise the rest of it falls pretty short right and then like the score is bad right like, and then there's even movies like dark ride which don't do great on a lot of stuff but it follows we it get follows the, the we get the tropes oh, wow. we get the tropes we get the cool kills yeah we get an interesting we get a killer. really really specific theme oh yeah we get the theme yeah. we get this like creepy killer yeah. but it does fall in this range to me yeah like this 50s. 54 to 60 yeah. i because you know like we we get dark ride hospital massacre like a lot of these like hospital massacre curtains uh dream or yeah oh, dream home fair. pieces uh, a lot of these to me feel a lot like this movie yeah um i think it's better than one in the dark mm-hmm. um i think so too i think it's better than pieces as far as the slasher goes it's like right in this range because like this is where i start to look like dream home was super stylish amazing kills has a very interesting story being told and our final girl has like a very strong or our killer has a strong motive right and also you know we get the introversion of like we're we're rooting for a killer and there's no final girl right um and so like you know there's that um and then like so that's where i'm looking that's when we start to look at like i also a sweet alice only ranks this low because it's a proto right um you know and that's where we start looking at like 
Curtin's Hustle Massacre doesn't do better. I know for sure the Final Girl's better than Hustle Massacre. Yeah. Um, but Hustle Massacre is super good at being themed. Yeah. Um, Curtin's is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it's right around here. It really is. Yeah. It's right around here, which is funny because these are all early '80s movies, and they keep falling in the same place. Uh-huh. Um, I think it does. It's better than I still know. What you did last summer. Um, we care way more about our characters. Um, our killer is equally as boring. I would say. Um. Yeah. Game over. Better final girl. She has to very much overcome stuff, but yeah. loses a lot of the slasher tropes. I want to put it like right under curtains, maybe. Yeah, right under curtains, above Tipal. I don't know. Terror Train might be better as a slasher than this. I think you're right. So we have a good final girl. We our killer isn't good. Killer sucks. He sucks. But his, his gimmick is sucks, But his sweet. gimmick is really good and the kills are good in the movie. Right. Well. We do get a full-blown decapitation scene yeah. in the movie. Like an Rolls actual down, one. Yeah, we get the roll down. Um, also, Dave Copperfield. Yeah, also, there's a lot of magic in that movie, which is dope. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, no, I definitely do think Terror Train works better as a slasher. I think it's above Alice Sweet. Because it's sort of in that range mm-hmm. of being like, it's a real a real slasher. It's a slasher. It's not proto, um, but it feels like one. Right, and, and Alice Sweet Alice is like right there on that. Line. Yeah, Alice Sweet Alice feels like a giallo that yeah. that falls in the slasher territory. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Okay. So number fifty eight, it will be our new number fifty eight. Um, right under Terror Train, right above Alice Sweet Alice. Holy crap. Oh, this is our 84th movie. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. No, it is our no, 83rd. That's it. Yeah, yeah 83rd movie. Um, wow, wow, wow. I don't have the calendar in front of me, so I can't tell you guys what we're doing next. I can do you have it? Okay, yeah. he's going to look it up. Um, but yeah, if you guys can, it's only three bucks to rent this movie on Amazon. I think you should totally check it out. It is worth just checking. Like like I said, I, if you're a slasher fan, it's very cool to see like where where we went immediately after Halloween and like what was trying to be done after Halloween and everything like that. Um, I do want to give a special shout out to JD, who is a friend of mine who reached out. I'm going to tell you about this. He reached out to me and just said, I've been in the funk lately and listening to Keep Screaming has really like brought me out of it. Oh, and, and so, yeah, JD, like, uh, I've always appreciated you and your friendship. I'm glad we could be there for you. Um, and it just means a lot. So, yes, right. And I both took a step back from social media in the last six months or so um which has been great for both of us we will be back on for the podcast itself um so you'll see us on there um to promote the podcast and be able to have some more communication with you guys we're also working on a different form of social media and a better way for us to connect with you guys which we will share more about um uh on on there but that we are very excited about yeah, but just um, thanks to all the listeners who stuck around. And JD, just I wanted to shout you out because it just meant a lot to me, man. And just keep powering through. Um, our next episode is going to be on 2011's Laid to Rest, which I've seen and don't remember. So I'm excited that to check it out. That was 2009's. Or 2009. Sorry, the sequel is in 2011. Um, so 2009's Laid to Rest with Chrome Skull. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 2000s movie. 
Um, not like a current 2008, an actual aughts movie. So I'm excited. Uh, we're excited. We'll be back in two weeks. We would love to hear from you, and you can find us online at KeepScreaming.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at, at ScreamingCast. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps us grow and snag great new listeners. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep screaming!